I wanted to start off and just kind of tell everybody what ArcuSpeak is, um, because, you know, this is kind of one of those uh, two-sided references. Obviously, this is going to be a podcast about architecture. That's something that the three of us are all involved with. Um, but if you look it up on Urban Dictionary, it says, Large, made-up words that architects and designers use to make themselves sound smarter than you, you being the client or the confused observer of design. It does nothing to inform or enlighten the consumer of architecture and mostly serves to numb them into obedience or self-doubt. And then there's a there's an example conversation that says, I went to Rem Coolhouse's lecture last night. What did he talk about? I have no idea. It was all in Arcuspeak. Either I'm stupid or the guy is brilliant. And we, I think all the three of us like that word because, uh, number one, uh, we are not brilliant architects. We don't speak Arcuspeak, and we probably all despise it to some extent, but I think a lot of people have the idea that architects and designers uh, do speak that way, and I, you know, I've definitely met a few that, is, that speak like that. One or two. Yeah. I, I, I try to avoid those people, actually. <laughs> we like to keep it real. I, I, when I was teaching, uh, you know, I taught for 10 years at Cal Poly Pomona in the architecture department, and the, the academics really speak like that. And it, it would drive students crazy because they would walk away just dumbfounded. Does, does yeah, anybody we, have a client that actually enjoys hearing you talk like that? <laughs> or anyone? I don't know. Uh, no, no. Most of mine are public schools, and they... Um, they really just want plain speak. <laughs> plain speak, yeah. <laughs> I think plain speak pays the bills best. Well, yes. Neil, you you found an app that on the uh, on the, on the app store that that is that will just spit out random Arcuspeak sentences, right? I did actually, yes. In fact, it's called Architects, and uh, it's it's a great little app. Um, Pretty fun. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll read you uh, an example here. So. Architecturally speaking, with sensitive respect for human scale, the environmental impact analysis presents extremely synergistic challenges to the creation of an immortal monumental to posterity or monument, excuse me, to prosperity. Say what, what? was Say that? What? <laughs> Interesting. But yeah, that's how it goes, right? That is how it goes. So we're here to probably uh, dispel that myth. We we don't talk like that. No, I will, uh, I will include a link to the uh, that app in our show notes so that everybody can download it. So uh, it, the relevance of the uh, the term Arcuspeak um, and how it's even despised within you know the own architectural world. Um, speaking with some of the uh, interns that we have in our office, some of them work directly with me, and some of them you know work uh, with other project managers and you know come to me for like ARE, um, you know, type advice and stuff like that. Uh, we were talking about how much we despise, you know, the pseudo-intellectual speak that architects try to pass off as, ooh, look at me, you know, the interstitial space um, is juxtaposed by the blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we were just, you know, talking about how frustrating that is. And, you know, so um, I could imagine what the, um, you know, what a client uh, must think when they're listening to someone talk about it it's just like, wow you've said a whole bunch of nothing that makes you sound smart makes me feel stupid but at the end of the day means absolutely nothing to me right <laughs> <laughs> juxtapose is a good word 
Oh yes, that that's a that's a telltale sign that Arca Speak is happening. Absolutely, yes. Um, and then then you know you throw in the interstitial and stuff like that, you know, just to kind of you know spice up you know spice it up a little more. Yeah. Or, or uh, one of my favorites is is when people are talking about a layout being curvilinear. <laughs> and to me, it's like pick one. It's either curves or it's linear, but <laughs> just pick one. You mean they're not both? I guess not. <laughs> so what do you guys, uh, what you, I guess what, what we should probably do for everybody real quick is just kind of talk about where, where each of us are coming from. So let me, uh, I guess I'll start. Um, I work at a firm in Southern California, and we do mostly public works projects, a lot of them. Um, we're, we're a pretty big firm throughout the state. There's a few different offices and stuff. Um, it's called HMC Architects. But we, uh, I mostly work on K-12 projects, so a lot of schools, much like uh, I think what, what Cormac does as well. And uh, we also do, I also personally work on some civic projects like community centers and courthouses and things like that. Um, I I think I'm the only one here who's not licensed. I'm working on that. This will be the year of getting licensed for me. Um, I'm well on my way. And so uh, that, that probably will be something that will come up every once in a while. But I've definitely put it off long enough, and I'm tired of the the nagging uh, voice in the back of my head telling me to, to get, get it over with. So, so I am. I'm getting it over with. Um, other than that... I uh, I've got four kids here at home, and I um, I think that you know we'll probably have a lot to say about life work balance. It's definitely a topic that's kind of on the forefront of all of our minds because we're trying to sneak this recording session in between when kids are home and when they're not. Uh, so that'll definitely come up. And other than that, um, you know, I like to be outside. That's probably my most favorite thing to do. I ride my bike a lot and. Uh, I like to go snowboarding and rock climbing and, and things like that. So I'm definitely into the outdoor adventure and uh, kind of nature conservation side of things. What about you, Neil? Well, I'm kind of probably a little unique between you guys because um, um, unlike you, I don't have a regular job. I have my own firm. Um, so um, mainly because of the economic downturn. So that, that's kind of caused a bit of a challenge for me. Uh, but it's been an interesting challenge, and we'll, we'll probably uh, at some point talk a little bit about uh, those challenges and, and trying to find a job and um, you know things of that nature as well. So let us know what you guys think about topics like that. But uh, I also mainly spent my, most of my career doing uh, residential work. It's a little different from you, Evan, and I know uh, from Cormac as well. So... Uh, um, but, uh, uh, for myself personally, uh, I've got a couple of kids at home as well. So that'll be a, a bit of a challenge, um, and something we'll, we'll talk about from time to time. So, uh, but I, I think, um, part of why we, we wanted to do this was, uh, to kind of dispel some of the beliefs of, you know, architects and, uh, we're not all, uh, Frank Gehry's and, um, you know, uh, working up on these ivory towers and, uh, not the, the the common perception of an architect, I guess, and I think uh, this podcast is really kind of to uh, to to get it out there with uh, three of us that uh, are you know real architects that that uh, do real work and uh, uh, kind of make things happen in the in the real world. 
So that's that's um, about for about for me for now. How about you, Cormac? Well, um, I am actually the uh, interesting bridge between you two because um, I'm located on the uh, East Coast uh, in the Metro DC area. I'm working for a firm in Rockville, Maryland, who uh, where our uh, primary um, focus is on K through 12. Uh, do you know miscellaneous uh, public works jobs as well, like you know pools and fire stations, such like that. But um, whereas when I graduated college uh, in from Auburn University, I started in the commercial world. Um, had the bright idea to go solo for a while. Uh, did predominantly residential, um, and as Neil was saying, you know the economic downturn kind of hit architecture and architecture profession pretty hard I uh, basically closed up shop um, after a couple years of uh, private practice and went back to the commercial world and um, which brought me you know moved me from Florida to uh, the DC area and have been doing um, uh, K through 12 I've got a couple of projects that are under construction couple in, in design and you know uh, some of the things that we'll talk about uh, are not only the life-work balance that everybody's been, you know, discussing, um, but also, you know, kind of even some of the day-to-day rigors of just being an architect and, you know, what goes into, you know, our daily uh, our daily grind. And not to, ex- you know, explain it that way because it's not really a grind. I mean, it's a labor of love for all of us. Um, and, uh, you know, just how we manage the, uh, the, the day the day-to-day operation of things, you know, the, um, the family balance. I've got a, you know, a wife and three kids, uh, here in DC and, um, just, uh, you know, why we do what we do and why we love what we love. Can we say the life of an architect, although we might be, uh, treading on our, our, our friend Bob's, uh, uh, <laughs> blog there. So maybe not. Is that, is that trademark? I don't know if that's We'll probably get a call from Bob next. <laughs> he's, he's in Texas, so it very well could just be be law. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they are they're talking about seceding, so, you know, we we're not sure how long that rule is going to be in effect. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I you know, one of the things that you, both of you guys brought up, I just I just recently uh gave a presentation at one of the local high schools and man, was it an ugly high school. They really picked the wrong architect <laughs> but uh i was asked to talk about you know it, it was a career day and it was about architecture for me so it was it was kind of the same thing what you were just saying cormac and i also wove in um, things about the economy and just kind of realities that architects are dealing with like what neil was talking about and one of the interesting things that came out just last week was that you know graduates number one architecture is is the worst degree you can get right now because of, number two, the unemployment rate for architects just in the state of California. I'm not sure what it's like back where you are, Cormac, but probably not any better. But it it was uh, pegged at 13.9%, which is about 4 or 5% higher than the average in the state of California for all professions. So it's definitely leading the way. And uh, and so like you said, Cormac, it it really has to be a a labor of love because I I think, um, you know, a lot of people do just have this vision of of the high and mighty designers working in the ivory towers like like neil said but then you know there there really isn't much money in architecture and and that is 
one of the things that I just wanted to talk about with these students because, you know, the first question you get when you're presenting anything for any career to high school students is how much money do you make? Uh-huh. And that and that came up, and I gave two presentations. It came up in both of them, you know, you, because you're showing these beautiful works of art. And, you know, that's the other thing I really wanted to talk about, and I think we will on this podcast too, is what's the difference between a building and, and architecture. But, um, you know, you, you get to see these really expensive things. And so I think people just automatically think, well, the people who are making those really expensive things are making a lot of money too. And and obviously our, our margins are pretty razor thin, especially in a bad economy. Our clients are demanding more of more and more from us and and we are getting less and less out of it just because of the competitive nature. There's so many people going after the same jobs that people are willing to undercut everybody else to do it. Yeah, and you know, with with that said, I mean the economy itself, um, the clients are pretty much they know that they've got us between a rock and a hard place and so they're you know expecting us to be um you know very um tight with our budgets you know um you know they come in they you know we've had cases where you know they'll say okay here's our budget we base our um fee proposals on that and then you know it's the prevailing wages it you know conforms to the aia's you know typical standards for um you know, for the prevailing wages, and they come back and they try to beat us down further and further. And, you know, we oblige for the simple fact that we want the job, um, you know, and I think that right now is kind of what the economy's done to us is, you know, really kind of cut each other's throats, um, you know, so to speak, so that we can, you know, you know, just basically keep the roof over our head and the food in our bellies, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, and it's interesting that you bring that up because, you know, I know that, uh, um, uh, Neil and I both kind of commented on, uh, a, uh, recent post from, uh, our, uh, brother Bob, who, um, basically posted that exact, you know, comment, and, you know, you know, how frustrated he is about everybody always asking about how much architects make and, um, you know, basically just trying to explain that, you know, you know, it's almost like, you know, how, Um, you know, my wife always explains that, you know, she doesn't teach public schools because she, um, you know, wanted to get into it to get rich. She did it because she loved teaching and she wanted to, you know, um, she loves kids and that's why she does it. And, you know, I think the same can be said for us because we don't really get into it for, you know, the riches. Uh, In fact, the very first joke that I was ever told by an architect, which was my boss, the day that I graduated, well, the day that I started working after graduation with him was, he was like, you know, what's the uh, um, quickest way for an architect to make a million dollars? I don't know. He goes, start off with two million. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, great. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't remember my uh, um, high school uh, guidance counselor telling me that, but, you know. Yeah. in High school in, guidance counselors have it all wrong when it comes to architecture. <laughs> Yes, yes. You know, and so it's like, you know, how um, I think one of the things that I want to get out of, you know, this podcast is not only, you know, just talking and talking with, chatting with, commiserating with, you know, our fellow architects and design professionals, but also to kind of, as we've all said, dispel the rumor to just the layman, you know, about what architects are, do, get paid, you know, all of that stuff that, you know, we, you know, 
it's a job, it's a labor of love, and even what, you know, Bob said in his was, you know, if you big money, you know, if you want to make the, you know, doctors and lawyers um, type salary, well, then go become a doctor or a lawyer. I mean, if you want to um, make a good living and be an architect, well, you know, it, it goes back to be competent, be, you know, be experienced, and just enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, because if you don't, man, you're going to be super miserable, <laughs> right? I mean, if you have, oh, yeah. it's a double whammy if you don't love it. That's for sure. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, I, Absolutely. I think for the for those who are unfamiliar with who we're talking about here, uh, uh, we're uh, we're referencing several times here our our brother Bob uh, Bob Borson who uh, writes uh, the po- the the very popular. Um, blog life of an architect at lifeofanarchitect.com so uh, if you're curious who we're referring to here um that that's who we're talking about um but i, I think that you know this this is um it, it really is a profession and it's not really a job i don't know it, it doesn't seem like a job to me i know there are times there's times maybe where it seems like a job probably karmic when you're reviewing your specs uh, that 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 becomes a job, but overall, I mean, it it is sort of you know we we throw around the term labor of love, but it, it's really a profession. It's what we chose to do with our lives because we do enjoy it. And uh, you know, if you enjoy what you do, you really don't have a job. You know, um, it's what you do every day. And and sometimes, um, you know, it is sort of what I do every day. I'm always designing. I'm always, when I'm walking around or outside, I'm always critiquing or looking at design, even things like text and fonts. I think it happened with me at a very early age. I just started noticing things, and it's like, this is what I do. Um, and so in some senses, some sense, um, it's, just, it's just me, what I do naturally. And I, I have a feeling that a lot of us are, are maybe the same. Or maybe not. I don't know. Let, tell us what you think. But um, I think that many of us get into this profession because it is what we do. And we have a talent for it. And then, of course, we go and then we do get the education. We, we learn about, uh, you know, the code and, and how to build buildings safely and waterproof them and, and do all of those things. Um, but I think just inherently, it's just a part of us that we're designers. Yeah. Um, and whether or not you're a designer in a firm you're working for, or you're a student, you know, thinking you're going to design the next Freedom Tower or something as soon as you graduate, and let me tell you now, that's not going to happen. But um, it. Uh, hey, hey, hey! Don't, it is don't, what we do. Don't hold people down already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that that could happen, I suppose, but. Uh, you know, it's unlikely, but it doesn't matter because everything that you do is design. Uh, one of the things when I had a team of, of people working for me uh, that I used to preach to them is, uh, and, and this may be another topic for, for another day, but just briefly, you know, when you're working in CAD, you know, you've got all these colors, lines, every, everything. It's, it's fairly, we try and make it fairly easy to read on the computer. Um, but you know, when all that stuff prints out, it's, it's black and white at the end of the day. And maybe that'll change someday with tablets and, and, and things. But the way things work right now, you know, we, we print them out, it's black and white. It has to be readable. And so one of the things I've always, you know, to design even for me is how the drawings look. 
Sure. You know, are they clean? Are they readable? Um, does it look good? Do the drawings look good? It's an art and form. Yeah, it is an art form. Yeah. And, um, you know, it used to frustrate me early on when we first started using CAD. And, yes, I'm, I'm old. I used to uh, draft by hand. Um, uh, and, and I think it was more important when you drafted by hand. You know, you had to have a, a, a certain... I'm not that old, but, <laughs> you, you know, you had to have a certain... Quality to your your <laughs> to your uh, uh, you know your lettering and just laying. You had to be very careful about how you laid out the drawings because you couldn't just pick up an entire floor plan and move it around. Yeah. So um, you know, it's, and so when you when we got to the computer, that that made it a little bit easier. But what I found was, you know, when when, when students were just graduating, the kind of the, the students that were that learned CAD you know, from the start. They didn't necessarily draft by hand first. Was that they didn't really pay attention to uh you know how the drawings are laid out. So I'm sorry, I'm going off on a rant here, but uh to kind of summarize, you know, design is 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 everything. It could be the way no. a detail looks, how it's labeled, uh, you know, the line thicknesses in a detail it's or a section you, cut. It's where you put all those call outs and stuff, how you line them up and get them out of the way so that the drawing is legible. Yeah, exactly. I, I exactly. It. So even if you're not, you know, designing that Freedom Tower right away or or even in your day to day work, um, there's design involved in everything we do. And that is just internal to me. Yep. You know, the, even maybe the way I lay out the furniture in my house, you know, it's there's a design sense to it. And um, and what I think you're, what you're talking different. about, Neil, is is the difference. And, and this is a great topic and just design. And what I'm, what I call what you're talking about is design with a little D versus design with a big D, um, because because you're right, everything needs to be designed, and that is so everything. What, that is what we take pride in is th- is is the details, right? It's it's getting down and designing every little thing, whereas design with a capital D, and and my friend Mark, who's also my mentor, uh, he he has a thing where he states this so eloquently. Design with a capital D is fashion, and design with a little d is how it works, which is way more important than fashion. Exactly, exactly. You know, you know, I, I preach to you know the guys that work with me, you know, work for me, and, and everything else that, you know, um, every line has a meaning. You know, so you need to know and understand exactly why it is that you're drawing that particular line and what it represents and you carry that little d design all the way through things like your specifications through your design documents you know because at the end of the day if you have a question on what you've drawn (laughs) the contractor is going to have a question and it's going to cost a lot more when the contractor asks that question than when you ask the question so you know it's that little d how do you carry that all the way through? So I, um, you know, uh, tell Mark thank you because that's a great way to explain it. Well, and and I think a lot of people coming out of school, for sure, at least the schools that I'm familiar with around me, are only concerned with the capital D designer. They want oh, absolutely, and 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 that's they they do want to work on those really meaningful big projects. And and you know, I think that there's definitely some humbleness that goes into working on k-12 projects you know they don't have a ton of money but you also have tons and tons of opportunities to solve problems through design that uh 
that are just mm-hmm. amazing experiences that you get to lead your clients through and say, no, it doesn't have to be that dumb way that you're used to. It can be made exactly how you need it so that it works better for you in the future. And those are the kinds of things I love to do every day. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I want to definitely save that for another topic because I want to talk about design, both capital D and small D design on a budget, you know, because um, people think that budgets are limiting and it's just the opposite. You're, you're absolutely right. They're an opportunity to be able to stretch your normal way of thinking. You know, it's not just a kit of parts. It's something that you can really explore and, and have fun with. And so let's, you know, I'd like to, you know, shelf that for a later, you know, later chat. But um, let's yeah. capture that. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, and that, I, I think that's, um, I mean, those are some of the things we, we want to touch on for, for future podcasts, uh, most certainly. And I think that's uh, part of what drove us to, uh, to get together and, and do this podcast, is that these are topics that, um, that, that we care about, and, um, and, and hopefully you do as well, the, the, our listener, but uh, that, you know, that, that we, need to, we need to explore and, and nobody's really talking about. Yeah, and I think one of the things that both of you have touched on is that we that we definitely want to kind of get the word out about is how this is normal stuff for us, and we're normal guys who do this, and we've all connected because of, I guess, just the the way and and the things that we've posted on on Twitter and online and stuff, and I think that. You know, Bob's website is kind of an inspiration because he just tells it like it is from a normal perspective, and that's what we want to do here, um, and and why it's important to us what we do. Absolutely, yeah, I, and I think that uh, that all of us that get into this profession, um, we do it because we love it, um, and that makes everything that we do. Uh, in design, whether it's big D or little D uh, design, um, that just makes. That's why I think we. Uh, that's why I kind of refer to it as a profession. It's. It's. It doesn't seem like a job. Uh, you know, a job is probably you know pumping gas down at the you know, the corner gas station or something, or um, you know being a or, or doing something else. Not not to bash anybody's job, but um, uh, but but to me that this is something that I just I just enjoy doing. I love creating, and um, and I love creating for my clients. You know, I think the the funniest thing is when I when I do meet with a client, especially an individual homeowner whose budgets are fairly small and they really don't even have the money to be paying an architect. And sometimes I lose jobs because of that uh, and that could be something else we talk about uh, at some point. But um, but I try and be very honest with my clients, and and when I talk to them, you know, I, I ask them, you know, how do I solve this problem? Oftentimes, I get clients come to me and say, you know, I don't like my kitchen. Well, okay, uh, what don't you like about it? What doesn't work? And why? And then try and get dive a little deeper into understanding what the problem and why. What what is the problem and why is it a problem? And you know what? Maybe maybe after a, a conversation, we find out that you know it's really not the kitchen that's the problem. It's you know the stove that doesn't work sometimes or the orientation of it. And if we just you know so 
um, I think that sometimes, at least when I'm dealing with the uh, with an individual homeowner, um, is that I have to be careful about you know or first find out what the problem is. And I think sometimes the client doesn't even know at first. Sure. You know, they just they just think that the you know because of the wall color or something that that they hate this space. And uh, I, I did actually. I went out and, and I met uh, met a client at a house, and they they wanted to move some walls around and change some things. And actually, spending an hour with them talking about rearranging their furniture, literally um, solved their problem. And I talked myself out of a job, but yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, you don't really need to be. You don't need me. I mean, you did need me, and I solved your problem. And Thanks for the free consultation, and um, you know if you ever need me again, here's my card. Yeah, you know, but I mean, um, and that to me is is you know what's important about what we do is we solve problems for people, and you know, uh, on on a small scale like I'm talking about, or on a larger scale like you guys do. I mean, I think that's what that's what we do. Yeah, I think one of the cool things about our job is the ability to be objective about the issues that come up because like you said that people people just kind of talk themselves out of whatever because it's just how it is well well what if you thought about it this way and i think a, a good thing that one of the things that we can bring to the table is say well have you thought about it this way uh, because we have so much experience working with so many different project types and client types that we're able to cross-pollinate all those things and um you know, for instance, I, w- I went to a client where I have a project under construction right now where it's a it's an old '60s Home Savings of America bank building, and there's a it's a six story tall kind of mid rise, and there's sections down the north and south facade that are just travertine tile that are so brittle they're ready to fall off and kill somebody, and and so their concept was well let's replace it with tile that looks like travertine so it it looks the same and so. Like you're talking about, Neil, you you want to ask the right questions, and and this is definitely a whole topic in itself. But you go in and say, well, number one, what's the problem? Number two, what are the five different ways we could solve this problem? And have you thought about it this way? Have you thought about what your building says about you as an organization? I mean, it, the bank didn't own the building anymore. Now it's a different agency. So how does this bank building... What does it say about them as a transportation company? And so I started to try to get them thinking in those terms, and we came up with a few different solutions of which they chose. One, and they couldn't be happier because it never crossed their mind to explore different scenarios like that. They were like, let's put like for like. Exactly. But now it's something completely different, and it is going to become part of their identity of which they didn't have one because it is a quote-unquote bank building, right? And so now they're going to be seen in a completely different way, which is going to be way better for their company. And that's the kind of cool stuff that I like to take a client through that process. And and when people get to see that, really, I don't have to own a Camry. I could own a, you know, whatever, an Audi. Instead, for the same price, let's do it. You know, I never thought I could do that. That's, well, I think, that's I the think coolest thing. It, it's fantastic. And that's really what architecture and what architects really do. Um, you know, whether it's design with a big D or little D, I mean, that that's really what we do. 
And, um, you know, that's, that's the exciting part. That's why I think we get into this profession. It's why we go through the rigors of school. And, and sometimes we do lose that perspective. Um, but that's also the value that architects bring to a project. And I think that's a challenge for us as a profession to really communicate to the outside world is that we're not these, these, um, these, these people up on our ivory towers, which we've referred to a few times, is, is that, you know, we're real people, we do real jobs, and we add real value to a project. And, you know, Evan, in your case, you know, you've, you've probably, you know, brought more value than your fee than they ever paid you because you've almost rebranded them and their building as, as a new identity. Yeah. You know, and that's something that they probably never thought of when you, they hired an architect. Um, you know, it's similar to a project. I have a small remodel going on here, local, locally here, and um, you know, I think the the client when I went to them, they they had some very basic needs, and then through the value that I brought to the project, I you know, now when you drive down this street, you you can see this this you know addition, and a it doesn't look like an addition, and b it's kind of interesting. You know, it gets people talking. It's added value to their house that if they do decide to move it someday, um, you know, people are going to look at that and go, you know, wow, that house is, is, is nice. It's cool. Is there something different about it? I don't know what it is, but it, it looks nicer than the house next door, and, and there's a value there. Yeah. And so it's hard sometimes to get our clients, my clients, maybe, maybe more my clients than individual homeowners, to understand that, um, you know, it's more than just a set of drawings that I'm providing to them. Um, you know, I'm there to ask questions, to give them a design solution that they probably didn't think about, or certainly if they had talked to the contractor before, you know, um, the contractor might have made one or two suggestions, move a wall, move the toilet here, or do move the sink over to that side, because that's all he's thinking about. Um, you know, where I come in and go, well, what if the room's over here? It's like, whoa, wait a minute, nobody ever thought of that. Paradise. And then you add value to the project yeah. that uh, you know justifies your fee. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Cool stuff. I, I get my, my, my blood pressure yeah. goes up when I when we talk about like the stuff like this. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean we always, you know, I, I always refer to um, you know, the design process as, you know, it's an educational process. I mean you know, throughout, uh, it's not just the education of, you know, us showing them, you know, you know, here's our, you know, here's the experience that we have and, you know, here's what we can do with it. But it's also, you know, it's that cross pollination between how do they live? How do they work? How do they teach? You know, things like that. And how do we take our, you know, understanding of the built environment and mold the two together to give them the best environment that they you know, that they want and they need. And sometimes, you know, they come in, you know, like with residential, um, you know, with the, the dream home, you know, it's, it's stuck in their head. This is what my dream home is. I just can't really understand how to do it. So then you, you know, the sit, you know, it's the sit down, the dialogue, you know, the, you know, the educational process, you know, both between the architect, and the homeowner that, you know, comes up with the best solution that, you know, Neil was talking about and, you know, looking at the photos on um, on your page, Neil. I mean, they, they're, it looks fantastic, and you're right. I, I, you know, it's kind of a seamless stitch from you know the existing house to 
you know, what it's going to become. But, you know, you've also given us a glimpse at the additional, you know, like the surrounding area. And you're right. I mean, value wise, it's, uh, you know, it's a fantastic addition. Well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. But I, and that, and that's, I guess, uh, you know, the point that, uh, you know, why, why we're here talking about this is that, um, I think it, it's good to get it out there that, uh, you know, even on a smallest scale, uh, possible, you know, a bathroom or a kitchen remodel, um, you know, that there can be design or even in, uh, you know, the things like we, we do with our business cards or, uh, or anything else that we, we do. But I think, those it, those people like us that enjoy that aspect of things is why we get involved in this profession and why we go through the rigors of school. And if you're going through school uh, now and listening to this, I mean, this is why this is why you probably got into this, yeah. and and why you're and and why it's going to be worth it. Let's put it that way. Um, it will be worth it, um, and whether you make. Uh, you know, a million dollars a year or, or $50,000 a year. Um, sometimes it's not always about the money. Um, and, and, and certainly when it comes to paying the bills, it is about the money. But as you go through your career, um, you know, you'll make, the, you'll make the money. It'll be there. Yep. It's about the life. And it's about <laughs> the, the kind of life you want to live. <laughs> And yeah, yeah. And, and how you want to affect other people, you know, like like one of the thing one thing that I read recently was there's this photographer that I follow a, a little bit online, and and he he has a mentor that he went to, and and the and basically he had this epiphany where when his mentor said, uh, you know, you, the reason that you're so good at what you do is because you you honor the talents that you've been given, and. And that really resonated with me because the best part of my job is is connecting with the client when they just they get it because I was able to communicate what I'm good at doing. Um, and and that's when when you see that spark in their eye, like I never thought of it that way, or I didn't know we could do that, or wow, thanks for giving me that perspective. Um, and I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I, I love going through that process with them um, because that is me honoring the talent that I've been given. Just just connecting with them on that real personal level is so rewarding. And that's really what I love most about what we do. Yeah, it's that aha, you know, the aha moment. <laughs> All right, well, if our audience has any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you guys. And you can follow us on Twitter at Archispeak, which is A-R-C-H-I-S-P-K. Or you can check out our website, which is archispeakpodcast.com. That's A-R-C-H-I-S-P-E-A-K, the full word, archispeakpodcast.com. And on there, there is a place for comments after each episode and you can also find links to each episode there. So arcaspeakpodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I am at etroxel, E-T-R-O-X-E-L. And I'd love to hear what you think about what we're doing here. What about you, Neil? Um, you can follow me uh, at first initial N, last name Pan, P-A-N-N, uh, at Twitter. And that's uh, usually the best place to find me. And Cormac? And you can find me um, on Twitter as well, 
uh, and it's uh, I've made it a little bit more difficult. Um, it's at archetype, and it's A R C H Y underscore T Y P E. Okay, great. Thanks, guys. And to you listeners out there who found us, uh, you can go to iTunes and subscribe to the show, and you can also rate us there, and that would be really helpful to help kick this show off right. We'd love to hear what you have to say. We'll see you again in a couple weeks. Bye.